0: Hello, Gems! Welcome to another episode of Tiaras and Tech. I'm your host, Shelly Benhoff, and today I'm talking to Jacqueline Baxter about her experience in acting and theater and how it helped her to become a conference speaker. She is a senior digital strategist at Sitecore, and we had so much fun talking about our experiences, both successful and not so much. And she also gave some great tips for speakers that I hadn't heard before. Without further ado, on to the episode. Hi, Jackie. Welcome to Tiaras in Tech. I'm so glad you're here. I just wanted to start off. you know, We'll jump right in. Um, introduce yourself. Tell us who you are, where you're from, what you are working on now.
1: Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. This is the the coolest podcast name in in the history of ever. I love it. And I'm very sad that I don't have a matching tiara. Although I think it would get in the way with my my headset. There's really only only room for one thing up here. Um, So my name is Jacqueline Baxter. Um, Most people call me Jackie or Jax or hey you, when am I going to get that thing I need? Um, I am originally from Idaho. I was born and raised in Idaho but I have lived up and down the West Coast. I am was up until uh, May 1st of this year. I was entirely a West Coast person. I had never lived for any like real length of time outside the West Coast until May when I moved to London, England. So that is where I'm living now. And I'm a senior digital strategist with Sitecore, which essentially means exactly what, what anybody who's listening, to, who's listening to this probably means, means. I get paid to tell people what to do with their websites, how to make them work better, and uh, what specifically what strategic steps they might have been missing in creating a better digital experience for their customers.
0: That's awesome. Yeah, I I have so much um, admiration for strategy, and I've learned so much over the years because as a dev, like I I often don't think about the human part of things, you know, because I I'm writing the code, and I kind of hope that somebody else will. But when I started out in uh, programming, there were no strategists or you know UI or front end, and I remember having to do all of that and just failing miserably. Um, so I was wondering how um, how did you start in strategy overall and what does strategy mean to you?
1: That's a really good question question. Uh, strategy is something that I sort of my interest in it grew. I came from a very non-traditional background, which I think we're going to talk about um, a little bit later in the episode. But um so when I started, I was very interested in marketing. i I thought that that was, and i and I still am. I think marketing is is a really fascinating field. And so I ended up, uh, transitioning in the company that I was working in, I transitioned into the marketing department. And as I was working with clients and and starting to to really understand, specifically with Sitecore, but also with other platforms, starting to understand there really is a gap in the way that many brands approach a website, and that has a lot less to do with interest or belief in, belief in strategies, and a lot more to do with cost and with time. Mm-hmm. And I, I really was so fascinated by the idea that for some reason, at some point, at some point in the history of, of web design and web development, we decided that these things were incompatible and that they couldn't happen at the same time, when in fact, all of them should be happening on parallel, on parallel track with, you know, close communication between all members of the team so that by the time you launch a website... Your strategy is ready to go. Your your KPIs are established. Your metrics are in place. You know what you're watching for. You know what you're going to optimize for, at least for the next three months, and everything's sort of pulling together in a really smooth ecosystem. As opposed to what we often see, which is that the everybody agrees that's agrees that's important, not as important. And I would even agree with this. It's not even as it's not as important as having a functioning website. I would agree with that. Like it doesn't matter. You can have the best strategy in the world, and if you don't have a functioning website, nobody would know it. And so I was like, well, we'll get the website up and we'll get the website running smoothly and then we'll talk about strategy. And if I have learned one thing in the last several years, it's that the website is probably never going to run as smoothly as people want it to before they start thinking about what I call the mythical phase two. And the mythical Mm -hmm. phase two is what you push everything that you don't wanna think about right now into. It's like, we're gonna do everything in phase two. And so that's really been something that I've, I've enjoyed the last couple of years is really seeing the market start to transition into thinking about all of these things, really using, I think agile has a lot to do with that. And the way that people are transitioning to like, well, we need to work, we need to work agilely, We need to have an agile workflow. I'm like, yes. And we need to be incorporating UX and design and strategy and we need to work agilely across the whole ecosystem, so we can really get you the website that your brand deserves.
0: Exactly. Yeah, that's that's an incredible insight as to how um, so often the moving parts don't always come together easily, and it's really important to bring together UX and strategy and dev you know, like, and just make sure everybody's on the same page. I'm sorry. I'm going off on like a tangent here, but I'm literally, I'm literally writing a course right now on um, communication and collaboration. So this is all fresh in my head. (laughs) Yeah. And like trust and yeah, yeah, all of that. But yeah. So, um, you and I are conference speakers. We have spoken at, you know, multiple um, larger conferences, a a couple smaller ones, and we both have experience in theater. (laughs) And we both love musicals. Um, Actually, this question isn't on on the list I sent you, but I was just wondering um, (laughs) off the top of my head, what show is your favorite? Oh gosh. I know it's hard, Um, I'm sorry.
1: It is hard, but actually, it's not as hard as it as it might have been um, about two years ago. Because two years ago, um, while actually I was on my way to Sydney, Australia, I had downloaded for the because it's a long flight. But you remember flights back when we could take flights? Mm-hmm. Um, that was fun, right? Uh, maybe we'll get to do that sometime. <laughs> the um, I downloaded the musical Six um, at the recommendation of one. one of my friends. And it is the six wives of Henry VIII in a, like, pop musical, so almost like a Spice Girls-style wow. pop group. And I've I've come to the conclusion that Hamilton walked so that six could run. Mm. Um, it's really clever, clever done. It's a very young writing team, if I'm remembering right, they... They wrote it and produced it for the Edinburgh Festival hmm. and they've sort of workshopped it and it's become a, a slow-burning, slow-growing global sensation. And it's so fun and all the songs are, are different stylistically, but it's also so rare in musical theater, which you will know because we're both musical theater fans, to see six women on stage yeah. and it's six female actresses and the whole band is also women. And so not a dude in sight. there's not a dude in sight on this stage and I don't think I'd ever seen that ever before. and the so I have sort of my my soundtrack for that Sydney trip is this the sixth soundtrack because I just listened to it on repeat so six the musical has definitely risen to be my favorite at this point if you'd asked me two years ago we would have had to have like a really complicated conversation with brackets and well in what category (laughs) and on what day and yeah but now I can just confidently say it's it's six
0: absolutely that's crazy I've never ever heard of that one I will definitely tune in and listen to that whole soundtrack today
1: the soundtrack is on youtube like an official i love this about what they've started doing like you can actually create an official youtube channel so you're streaming it from the creators so they actually get the ad revenue oh. um so you can find it on their their channel it's not very long it's only about an hour oh. um and re- just uh, treat yourself it's so fun <laughs> nice.
0: i look forward to your review and hearing which song is your favorite absolutely yeah i like um rent rent has yes. has been my favorite since I was in high school when it came out, aging myself or whatever. Um, and it was like a smash hit my senior year and I had a solo in, um, what was it? (laughs) Oh, uh, seasons of, love he there's love. my stutter it oh. comes out sometimes there it is <laughs> love <laughs> so it cute. no yeah it it of course wasn't the you know i will that one not not me <laughs> another one yeah, yeah the other one another
1: one all the solos of that song are great though oh my there's God, no totally. no wrong no wrong solos. there's no bad solo in seasons of love
0: exactly all righty back it. to tech okay. sorry for those <laughs> that are not musical theater fans but the reason I wanted to talk about this is because I know for me those experiences acting on stage singing in front of an audience of, you know, hundred, there was probably once where I sang in front of like a thousand people because I went to a ridiculously large high school. So I, yeah, I was just wondering um, what is your experience with acting and how did that help with your speaking career?
1: I mean, it it has helped a lot. Um, I was also a competitive speaker um, in high school. That was if you, for those of you who you know had friends or lives and didn't know that, um you can actually compete um, in various speech and debate events. And I did all the way through all the way through high school, I was the state champion in impromptu speaking my senior year. And I think those two things, public speaking and and acting, very closely intertwined in some ways and they're completely different in other ways but what i what i've brought and what i've learned from all of the all of my time spent on stage and i guess the thing that i think about a lot when people ask me they're like well you're so confident on stage and you it's like well first of all i think it's really fun i love being on stage and there's really nothing you can learn that, but it can't really be taught if that makes sense. You can learn to enjoy the adrenaline, you can learn to enjoy being in front of a crowd, but it really is something that that motivates me, the energy that I get from a live audience. So this actually, this last 18 months has been very challenging because yeah. I've trying to present, you know, just to a computer screen and trying to be as dynamic and entertaining as possible without knowing how that's landing is is very difficult. Yeah. But I think there's there's a lot of you know, there's classes that you can take, and there's um, and I always would say when people are like, Oh, well, what public speaking classes do you recommend? I'm like, actually, I don't recommend a public speaking class necessarily. I think you should go take an improv class. Go take a comedy improv class. And it's I say comedy improv because that's usually how it's built, but if you can find just a straight improv class, I'd do that instead. Because one of the things that I love about improv and one of the reasons why I credit it with so much of my success in this regard is that. You literally the, the job of, of an improv class is to teach you how to think on your feet. It's to teach you what to do when somebody throws a question at you that you don't know the answer to and how to engage and how to take every situation and turn it into something that you can use to entertain the audience. So I think um in, in that respect, it, the training that you get as an actor is is very helpful because, you know, people used to throw vegetables at actors and I think our sense memory we've never forgotten that like it's just come all the way down through the ages of like at any minute somebody's not going to like what I'm doing and they're going to throw produce
0: so we're always trying to avoid that yeah I guess for us the the produce is you know tweets or or comments on (laughs) videos and stuff like that yeah Um, so how did you start speaking and what was that first experience like? Oh, gosh,
1: um, so I think uh, I'll, I'll focus on how I started speaking professionally because that's, that's probably more, more pertinent to this, to this topic. Um, so I actually, my first speaking gig in, this, in the tech space was at um, SUGCON in, I believe it was 2017. Mm. And I'll be really honest, I put together the proposal because I really wanted to go to Amsterdam and that's where it was that year. And I don't blame you. I, right. I was like, and I, I remember that the year before, I can I actually can't remember where it had been the year before, but, um, I think because I actually hadn't been part of a company at that point. And so when I joined though, I, I joined the company the summer before symposium and symposium that year was in New Orleans and I didn't get to go obviously. And, But I remember asking my colleagues at the time, I was like, okay, well, but how do I get to go on these fun trips? Like these trips look amazing. People get to go on these trips. Like how do I become one of the people who gets to go on these trips? And the the guy, Mike, who was sort of mentoring me in the marketing department, who I was nominally reporting to, he was like, well, if you get accepted as a speaker, they'll send you. And I was like, ding, really? Okay. (laughs) Um, so I did a bunch of research, and at the time, and and still today, SUGCon has a much more technical bent, um, which makes a lot of sense, right? The Sitecore community specifically is still pretty heavily skewed toward the developer side. Makes perfect mm-hmm. sense. It's a product that was built by developers for developers. I love developers. Yay, developers! Mm-hmm. Um, but I am not a developer, so I was like, well, if they want a technical topic, I'm not going to be able to give them a technical topic. But what I knew that I could talk about was the marketing features of Sitecore and so i put together a, a talk a topic that was basically all around psych or campaigns which it's so funny to me because I, I feel like i've spent my entire life at this point talking about psych or campaigns like three times a week but at the time not very many people were talking about them and i was petrified there were so many i mean i, I was in this you know fun venue, but I've been working because obviously you, as you know, as most people know, when you go to a conference, when your company flies you to a convention, it's not just like you get to sleep in and like watch the talks and eat bonbons and do your speech. Like you're going to the booth, you're working, you're, yeah, it's, it's, hard. A, it's, it's work. And so I'd been working. I think we were on the second day, like not at the end, but like in the afternoon. So like in the last third of a and so I was exhausted because of course, jet lagged and not sleeping super well and all the stuff is going on. And I I just remember being like actually physically cold. Like I'm standing in, I mean, yes, the air conditioning was champion, but like I remember standing there and like my, my fingers were so cold and just thinking like, okay, well, what's the worst that could happen? And unfortunately I was like, well, the worst that could happen is, everybody laughs at me, and I never get to speak again. And what was really interesting was because I was I was petrified the whole way through, and I was actually co-presenting. So I only so I only had like half of the work. Um, But I remember, like almost being it was almost like an out of body experience the whole time we were doing the presentation, like I was just going through it, like, let's get it done. And my co-presenter was so relaxed. And I was like, I'm, I'm used to this, like I'm a performer. Why am I so nervous? And I realized, I remembered, um I got a really good piece of advice from an improv teacher of mine um, who told me that if you're not nervous, it doesn't matter. Hmm. And that if I was ever not nervous about an audition or a speech or presentation or anything, I should reevaluate because that meant that it wasn't important enough to me, that I was doing it for the wrong reasons. And I think about that before I go on stage every time, because you're supposed to be nervous, because it matters. It's important. You you have something important to share. You want to make sure that you're getting your meaning across, that you're sharing this information. And of course, we're a community the tech community as a whole is full of wonderful, brilliant people who you want to like you. Yeah. You're wired that way. You want them to like you. And that's completely understandable and valid. And so if you are nervous, that's a good thing because it means you care. It means you're invested in what you're about to do. And I also recommend having having like a list of some sorts mm. so that in the five minutes before you can just sort of put your headphones in and put your head down and just like have your moment where you remember that you are amazing because they <laughs> wouldn't have picked you for this conference if you yeah. weren't good at what you do. Like like straight up, I have been a part of choosing presenters. They don't choose you because they're like, yeah, I guess. Like we've got a slot to fill, like give it to that person. Like that's not how any of this works. Yeah. They pick you because you're smart, and you're good at what you do, and you have something important to share.
0: That's amazing. Yeah, I, I, I also um, listen to one song in particular before I do any tech conference, like recording even, or I mean, especially if it's live, the Pokemon theme song. There we go. Yes. I, I want to be that. the very best, like no one ever was to train them is my real test to teach them is my cause is what I say (laughs) yeah Yeah. can definitely tell I I was a 90s kid (laughs) I dig it though that's amazing yeah I love that you
1: have something that you have like a song that's what you do to Mm -hmm. yourself because I I have a playlist and it kind of depends on what but I'll be very honest like the stuff on there you would sometimes never predict people are like what are you listening to to psych yourself up I'm like Lorraine and McKennett, they're like nice to psych yourself up I'm like you sure. know what I just need to do me for a minute can you go check the sound or something like I just need to do me
0: for a minute exactly yeah that's so funny um my first speaking uh engagement, I guess, professionally was really, um, at the, well, you know what? I probably shouldn't say, but it was in Rome. Um, and I was organizing this event and my, my boss got sick and so he sent me all of his slides and his presentations on like the budget and the financing and stuff that I didn't know. Like I was a manager, I was like a team manager. He sent me all of this stuff. I was so nervous, but I I, I had a friend there who had edibles and so- There we go. I, I nailed it. I was just <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah.
1: Hey, before my thesis defense in college, I remember my roommate, I was pacing and she was like, you need to calm down. And so she made me do two shots um, before she would let me go to my thesis defense. Like that's whatever it takes, like just to get you. Would I recommend that on normal circumstances? Probably not. But whatever you need to calm you down. if it's, I think I remember being at symposium once and I was about to present and I must have looked like I was about to fall apart. Because one of my colleagues came up to me with this little plate of desserts that he'd gone and, like, talked the caterers out of. And he showed up with these little mini plate of Petit Fours. And he was like, I think you need to eat these. And I was (laughs) like, that's not the worst idea I've ever heard of.
0: I just wanted to take a quick pause to talk about today's sponsor, Bluehost. I use them to host all of my WordPress websites And I can say that their tools are very easy to use and their customer service is outstanding. A great thing that you can do for your career is to create a portfolio or a blog. This will make you stand out to hiring managers and can take your career in directions you have only dreamed of. If you don't think you have anything to share on a blog, think about things that you have struggled with in your career. Chances are, others have also struggled and you can help them out. Bluehost plans start at just $2.95 per month. Think about it. For only $2.95, you can set up your very own WordPress site and you can do it in under 10 minutes. For $2.95 and 10 minutes of your time, you can make a great investment in your future visit slash bluehost to get started today. Now back to the episode. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it it helps. I have had experiences in school in high school where like my my stutter just would not allow me to do a presentation like fluently and like the teacher was even laughing and people in the front row were like laughing out loud at me as so I I've had that experience of being humiliated you know when I turned that around in college I had one class where the teacher was a total bitch and and she gave me a c and I was a straight a student and like I contested it and stuff but then like I I had a meltdown, like I just couldn't get out words. But then I had a class with a teacher who loved me and was really supportive and I nailed a speech in that class. One person had had seen the other one and she came up to me afterwards and was like, you made me cry, that was amazing, I that was amazing. And ever, ever since then, I think about her and just like her and the teacher. If you have someone who supports you, just focus on that. Don't focus on the people who are sitting in front of you laughing because they're ignorant or like tweets that come at you that are just like, really? You thought that in the first place, you typed it and then you sent it to a person on the internet. Why?
1: Yeah. yeah. Like that took a lot of your time, random person. Also on a side note, um, what were the names of your high school teacher and those people <laughs> in high school? I just want to talk. Yeah. Just, you know, luckily. No
0: <laughs> luckily, I don't I don't even remember, you Good. know, because I'm I've just shot past. Well yeah. Yeah. So Good. it's like everyone in my life who whoever tried to make me feel, you know, inadequate or make me stop what I'm doing. I'm always just like, no, you know, I'm going to do what I'm going to do. And if, if you don't like it, then whatever, you know, yeah. just anyway, that's, your, that is a you problem. Yeah. As the kids say, that sounds like a yeah. you problem. That is. Yeah. It's just so sad. Um, so we've already talked about some advice for, Speakers, is there anything you have um, in the way of advice for people who are interested in strategy? Oh, yeah, that's a that's a ooh, that's a good question. I'm sorry, that, that one was really also not no, on the it. list. Sometimes no, I, I dig it. I love it. With...
1: I love it. Um, I think the the thing that I one of the things that I've been thinking about a lot is that when it comes to strategy inspiration comes from a lot of different places and there are a lot of different backgrounds that you can come from and you can be a really good strategist there's a lot of different ways that you can come, you can come field and still be tops at it i think the, the sort of base level uh requirements are creativity and the ability to problem solve in a cooperative way. So this is not a single person sport. I, I'm not going to say that there's no I in team because it drives me nuts. I'm like, sure there is, um, but the the strongest strongest strategy we've been a part of have been the ones where everyone's sort of pulling toward the same goal, and you have three to five, maybe even as many as seven people, all who come from different backgrounds, all of people who are coming at this problem from different angles, who bring themselves to work in a way that, that really can pull together the best product for the client. And so I guess the thing that I, the sort of what that all comes down to is if you're interested in strategy, I mean, I'm always definitely willing to talk um, I think you'll find most people who are in the strategy field are willing or willing to talk, so shut us up about what we do. We're, we're very enthusiastic. We're a very enthusiastic bunch, but to ask questions and to think about how you would solve problems, not necessarily by, you know, reading books or although those are valuable and there's a lot of really good books out there, but you know, some of the the best advice that I've ever gotten has come from, you know, art history lectures and, like I was actually just thinking about an art history lecture. I'm like, oh, I can turn that into a presentation. Like that that really speaks to digital experience, actually. Um, and to to bring all of yourself in that way. Like don't don't think that your philosophy degree doesn't have anything to do with this because it does. If you have learned how to think and how to problem solve. And if you are capable of being creative in those ways, you can be a great strategist. That's all there is to it.
0: Exactly, yeah, I, I love that point. I always champion people who don't study what they do, you know, yes. or, yeah, I've, I've interviewed Microsoft technology MVPs who were devs. One of them studied history in college and the other one studied physics, I think. Yeah. And she has no like <laughs> um, like <laughs> degree <laughs> in programming, but she's still a programmer because any experience that you've had, any education, whatever, they all influence your skills at work and definitely problem solving. Critical thinking are mm-hmm. big ones. This is why I hate interviews where they make you code. Like on a on a whiteboard, really. Like I don't even write most days. How do I hold this I, pen? How do I do? I know? Plus <sighs> I'm I'm left-handed. So I'm gonna get the ink all over my hand, you know. <laughs> and
1: I think about sometimes about sometimes like it was years ago, but I remember reading an article reading an article about when Slack was hiring. And they, they were having tons of trouble filling this one role on their technical team. And because what they needed was somebody to like write write for Slack. They needed Slack bot to have more of a personality. And they were having the hardest set So they went out and hired a creative writing major to craft the personality of their bot. And I think about that constantly because it's like, yes, of course a creative writing person is the best person to help you build a personality for your chatbot yeah like i can make it can make it i'm a bad example because i actually did a lot of creative writing but there's you know your your marketing team can make the logic tree that's not a problem or like you can have that built behind the scenes that's not a problem Mm -hmm. but if you want those responses to feel organic and natural and to have a very specific personality then you need to you need to hire somebody who can design that for you And that person might not have a tech background so it i'm in the same boat where it it drives me nuts that sometimes people like in, in hr you know for hr positions like they weed out the people who don't have experience in the field they don't directly have experience i would not have i would not have gotten the first job that i got at hedgehog had the hr recruiter not functionally taking a chance on me. I mean, he told me that later, he said, he got my resume and he looked at it and I was not at all what they thought they wanted. Mm -hmm. I had, you know, enough of the sort of base level skills that, that it was like, well, I can see as how maybe, but like, this isn't what we think we want. And he told me, he said, I looked at your resume and I thought, well, she must think that she can do this job. So I'm gonna call her and just see why she thinks she can do this job. And within the first half an hour, I had him convinced that I could do the job because I could, because I was the right choice. So taking a chance on the hires that you're like, well, I don't really know why, but she seems to think she can do this job. So let's see what she has to say can sometimes be a really solid decision. And I'm not saying that just because it got me a job.
0: (laughs) Yeah, such a good point. I tell people all of the time, women overwhelmingly don't apply to jobs if they don't meet like a hundred percent of the qualifications. I've just recorded a podcast on this. So it'll come out before this one. Um, Yeah. But men will apply for jobs that they maybe have, you know, 10 20% or none of the qualifications. And yeah, it's, it's just that we need to have the confidence in ourselves Mm -hmm to know that we don't have to be perfect. We don't have to achieve a hundred percent of what someone else wants, you know, right. yeah.
1: <laughs> well, and, and like, that's not your job, especially as the mm-hmm. job seeker. I mean, and that's, when I moved to Portland, I was in the middle of, I mean, I can't really call it an existential crisis because I knew what the crisis was, but I was like, well, I want to change. I want a career shift. I don't want to do what I've been doing before. So, I was like, well, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to apply for any job that I think I'm even marginally qualified to do. And I'm going to keep doing that until somebody gives me a job Mm -hmm. because it's not my job as the applicant to weed me out. It's their job. If they don't want to talk to me, they won't call me. That's how job seeking works. Love it. So, that was something that people sometimes ask. They're like, well, how did you get into this field? And I'm like, well, I applied for a job that I was qualified for, but not on paper. And talked my way into it because they liked my personality. It's like you can teach someone to code. Absolutely. You can teach someone how to, you know, use Gantt charts and how to manage a project and manage a team. You can teach people to do all of those things. You can't teach them to be enthusiastic and creative and personable and yeah. open. Exactly. Yeah, those are the things we should be hiring for. Not can you, not can you code? Look, somebody taught me how to code. Like me, I can code, not much, but a little bit. That's like enough well, that I can great. fix problems in Sitecore. So it's like, I promise anybody can be taught to code. Absolutely. I can be taught to
0: code. I agree 100%. The saddest thing I hear overwhelmingly from women is that they quit coding because other people either made them feel inadequate or they just, thought that it was too hard if you think it's too hard you haven't had the right teacher I'm telling you you just haven't I I was in a a um Verizon store um a couple years ago and I'll never forget this it was so weird like I blew in there all like Flamboyant and stuff, and I I got into a conversation. I was I was the only person in there, so I wasn't keeping them from other you know customers. But these two ladies were interested in tech, and I told them they are in tech. They work at a, a Verizon yeah. store and explain technology to people. They are in tech, and they both thought that they weren't. And one of them said that she went to college and quit coding because she had a teacher one teacher that told her that she couldn't and I I looked at her and I was just like f that guy yeah
1: what's that teacher's name I want to talk yeah
0: exactly and I was like I was like call me anytime here's my card like you know nice you can absolutely unfortunately she never called but I I hope I helped her in Absolutely. some ways I a think you did stranger out in the world, you know, <laughs> me doing Sometimes my those thing. Are the best. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. I've had some crazy like interactions with strangers yeah. that have been poignant. Oh one of them was at a symposium I want to say 2013 probably okay. in uh Vegas. They had this party with drag queens. Okay. Yes. And I was I was sitting off in a corner because I was just like having a day um, and I was like alone and quiet. This share person came over to me and started talking to me and I was just like, my career is in, in order and stuff. I'm, you know, trying to lead, but I don't know how she she said to me, honey. Sometimes you just got to grab life by the balls. Oh I'll gosh, never yes. forget her. Holy <laughs> crap. Oh my God. That was one of the best. That was one of the experiences of my life, you know? Great advice. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Great advice. Amazing. Perfect timing. Very memorable. <laughs> yes. Um, anyway, uh, so to kind of wrap up, I wanted to talk about your London um, adventure because I'm super jealous. There was a time where I went to London six times in a year and I got to know it so well that I c- could give people directions and stuff on the street if they asked me. Um, have you seen shows in London? I have yet?
1: seen shows. Yeah. Um, that was so I got here in May and we. I hadn't, I think I'd been here, I think it was like on May 18th or something that we entered phase, entered phase three, which of the controlled unlocking or whatever we're calling it today. And so theaters were allowed to reopen with social distancing and masking and everything. Good. So I went to C6, um, which was playing, and that was an absolutely fantastic experience. And since then, I have, I have been to a few shows I've been to the globe which is fantastic I went to see Romeo and Juliet at the globe and I went to see everybody's talking about Jamie which is now on Amazon um, which interestingly speaking of drag queens is based on a real life uh, story about a high school kid who wants to be a drag queen so that is now actually on Amazon Prime which is why I went to see it because they were closing it um and I was like well I should probably see it live before I see it um, filmed. So I'm very excited to see that. Um, And then I actually just today made plans to go see the musical and Juliet, which is a pop musical so it's songs from the last 20 years and it's all revolves around the idea of like what if Juliet had not committed suicide at the end of Romeo and Juliet and went off and had adventures and I just watched the trailer before I booked the tickets and I'm like oh my gosh
0: this is a bop like yes please that's awesome the like I I regret never seeing a show I I went to London six times I went to Harrods every time
1: I that, was, that was amazing. My
0: gym. Oh my god, I just wanted to walk in there. Princess Diana used to walk in there. You know, I just wanted to walk where she walked. Yeah. Uh, the, hey,
1: that's fair. I went to Fortnum and Mason for the first time mm. the the of fa- the fancy really um because my family had sent me a birthday present. And so I had to go on like a birthday quest to pick oh. up my birthday present, which that's was awesome. actually quite fun. <laughs> but I walked in and I was just like oh, like it is fancy pants. Like you walk in there and it's like and I was wearing, like, I came from work, so I had, you know, I had my dress slacks and my nice jumper, and I mean, it's not like I didn't look like I didn't belong there, but I walked in and I kept waiting for somebody to come up and be like, excuse me, um, not not you, if you could if you could see yourself out.
0: Yeah, that, ooh, I keep, I keep hitting this. Um, you that, talk with your
1: hands like I do. Uh,
0: yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to have to reposition this mic at some point, but i I had an experience where I wasn't asked to leave a store, but I was in a Prada in Rome okay oh, and yep. I mean, they just looked at me like I was a piece of shit you know i've never I've never felt such hatred from complete strangers who had no idea who I was in my life, you know, and then also in Rome, I was wearing um what are they called those uh why can't I think of this those like rubber shoes oh um, crocs crocs thank you and i mean it wasn't the standard croc it was a a cute pair someone on the street spit on my shoes oh. yeah i've had some experiences yeah. with travel that is extra i mean right? i was
1: in i think i was in bologna and i was with some friends of mine and they were like let's go into versace and i was like let's not cuz we were i mean we were like <laughs> We were college kids, like college kids from the U.S. And we were studying abroad. So we like we had on what would have been very fancy for my hometown or my college town. But like, look, I used to live in Portland, Oregon. There were like two things a week that I couldn't wear sweatpants to. So (laughs) like the the dress code is very different. And we walked into Versace and my friends just like marched off like they owned the place. And I went and stood by the T-shirt rack. Because I because I was let table because I was like, this is the safest place to stand. It's just t-shirts. Mm-hmm. And then I noticed that the clerks were watching me and from like the adulthood vantage, I'm like, probably a combo of like, does this person need help? but also this person is obviously cannot afford what we are selling here. Yeah, And they were watching me so closely that I like reached over and just turned over the price tag on the top t-shirt, six hundred euros. <laughs> For a t-shirt, yeah, like, I'm, no thanks. <laughs> no, if you want to spend six hundred euros on like a pair of shoes, I can sort of get behind that. If you want to so spend six hundred euros on almost anything, I can get behind a t-shirt. Like, no. go. No, you don't need the nicest t-shirt in the world. Should cost like fifty euros max, and that should be like somebody made that by hand exactly to fit your specifications. Like,
0: maybe then, t-shirt? yeah. I remember in Prada, I I picked up a wallet because I was sure that that was the only thing that I could possibly afford. And I looked at the tag and it was 500 euros. And I remember saying to my friend, I don't even have 500 euros to put in this thing. Like I can't buy it, you know? (laughs) And there's some things,
1: because as I've, of course I've gotten older and so my disposable income has gone up a little bit more, but I have found that there there, there are certain things where I'm like, it goes on your feet. Like what, what could it possibly do? But Mm -hmm. then unfortunately I get like the nice, the really nice suitcase or something. I'm like, well, I need a new one. Like maybe I'll treat myself. And then it's like the best thing ever. You're like, oh,
0: okay. Well, yeah. Oh my God. Suitcase wise. Um, what is the brand that I have? It's like really expensive, but I was I was traveling yes. a lot. Um, oh, <laughs> Briggs and Riley.
1: Okay. They
0: every every piece of luggage that you buy has a lifetime warranty. If anything rips or tears or whatever, you can call them up, send it back. They'll send you a new one. Go now, ahead. the carry on that I bought from them, I think, was like four hundred dollars. That's a lot. Okay yeah that's a lot but for a lifetime warranty exactly it looks really cool it's nice and shiny no I'm just kidding like the the inside (laughs) is larger okay nice except like it overall is the exact you know the specifications yeah yeah. it just has like compartments and stuff I don't not a sponsor I'm just saying (laughs) no hey
1: there are certain things I've um sort of tie it back into presentations that I have because I found that presentations work really well when you have like a a client, either a client example, I mean, ideally a client example, but so often, because of NDAs, I don't have a client example. So I figured out a couple of years ago, that if I could find a a publicly traded brand, like something public facing that I don't have anything to do with, that I can put them in my presentation that I can just talk about what they do, that I think is really good and and how that illustrates my large point. in a minute, somebody is going to come and be like, "Are you getting a cut from Rothy's?" Like you talk about Rothy's a lot. I've seen that, yeah. Like, okay, yes. However, uh, counterpoint, <laughs> it really is a great product. And no, I'm not. I'm not being sponsored. Like to, yeah. I would certainly be happy to continue doing exactly what I'm doing, and they can just send me the handbag that I really want.
0: <laughs> I love it. Oh, uh, and, and thank you for drawing it back to oh, yes. speaking because I could talk to you all day about I stuff. I know, right? But I know that you're busy, so <laughs> we're going to have to wrap up. Um, what do you have anything to promote any like upcoming speaking engagements or anything? You know, I don't, um, no.
1: I've just finished presenting, well, I just finished presenting at Content Marketing World, which was very exciting for me, Ooh, um, that's that was a good my one. first year. It was, a year, it was really like, yes, um, so if you happen to have, have a, a pass, then it's basically, I think you have until the end of the year to stream that, um, and I just presented a symposium, so, but by the time this episode comes out, I think that those will be taken offline, probably, um, yeah, but I mean, we're I mean we're kind of had a, a lull for for me speaking wise because usually conference season is like April to October and then everything kind of shuts down for the holidays and then for the beginning of the year. But um, I blog a lot more than I probably should. Um, um, I post all in because I know myself well enough to know that I cannot be trusted to maintain a website. So um, I all of those are on my LinkedIn profile, my LinkedIn Pulse. I just put one out about. Uh, trust and building trust with our customers so that we can be worthy of the data that they're sometimes unwillingly, willingly, often sharing with us. They just click accept so that they can see what time the movie is. They don't actually want to give us their data. Um, And I put out one a couple of weeks ago about building relationships through digital active listening. Mm -hmm. So always, always nice to have people let me know
0: what they think about that stuff. That's awesome. Well, (laughs) thank you so much for joining me. I think that people will really enjoy this episode. I know (laughs) I enjoyed making this one. So thank you. This was
1: so fun. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it.